You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your source for news, discussion, and debates about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever. Very happy to have you all in here again. Debut episode was a week ago. If you haven't listened to that yet, please go check it out. A lot of you already have, uh, just looking at the numbers from the episode. Very, very much appreciate that. Had the great Maria Cornelius on here to break down the Lady Vol season before it began, talk about the roster, um, talk about the thoughts for the season going ahead. Now we are a couple games into this season, so I wanted to do another episode, and I am very pleased to be joined by Cora Hall. She covers University of Tennessee Women's Athletics for Knox News. Cora, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk some Lady Vols hoops. Yeah, no, it's been a, uh, you and I were, were chatting here before I hit record on the podcast. It's been a an interesting start to this season, we'll say, just kind of an unforeseen start, especially kind of on the offensive end, but there, there's been good reason for that. Ray Burrell went down uh, in the first game of the season against Southern Illinois, did not play against UCF. Her, her status still seems up in the air. Uh, Kelly Harper spoke to the media, I believe it was, it was on, the, on a call with something on Friday and said that it was not an ACL injury for Ray Burrell, which is great news, but that she's still being evaluated. The extent of the injury is unknown. She's out for um, an undetermined amount of time right now. So all of that to get to the point of Lady Balls only managed to put 59 points in their first game of the season, and that was dropped again against UCF, 49 points and a 49-41 win on Friday in a game that was not a great offensive game for either team. Got to give credit to both teams' defenses uh, because UCF does have a very good defense, and Lady Balls have had a really good defense to start the season so far. But that game had a combined, I think, almost 50 turnovers. Uh, neither team actually ended up scoring 50 points in that game. Uh, Corey, how much of this, the offensive struggles so far for the Lady Vols, do you put on the fact that Ray's been out and the fact that, you know, Jordan Horston didn't play in the first game? She made her debut against UCF. You, you could tell that, you know, she was trying to knock some of the rust off and was, you know, was kind of trying to bounce back from, from what kept her out in the first game. How much are you attributing to just, you know, kind of the health and how much of this is something that you think could be a concern moving forward for the rest of the season? Well, I mean, it is two games in, so I wouldn't necessarily say it's it's a concern um, for the season as a whole because if you think about it, uh, Ray Burrell is a player you build your offense around. She's incredibly dynamic on offense. She's their leading scorer, and to have her you know, go down literally 18 minutes into the season was kind of a jarring thing, I think, for everybody. Um, and then to have one day when you have to travel to, to, to Orlando and then all of a sudden the next game is already there with you know very little time to adjust that game plan without her um, I think that's part of you know the main source of the issue is is how do you adjust to losing the player you build your offense around in 48 hours against a very good UCF zone defense when Wednesday they were already struggling against you know, Southern Illinois zone defense. And, and Kelly's talked about how their offense against those zone defenses has to improve. And so I think that was, you know, combined with lo losing Ray and then facing a very strong zone defense, you know, led to that kind of offensive struggle on Friday. And and it was a bad shooting night for them. I think it was like 
it was a very low field goal percentage. They were taking shots and, and getting those chances. They just weren't going in. I saw a lot of uh, jumpers from Alexis die that that she would she would have made. She made on Wednesday that just didn't fall for her. Um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily a huge point of concern. I think it's it was just a really crazy 48 hours for them, and they muscled out a win to their credit. Now that's a good point. I think a lot of fans of, in sports, just you know, not just in basketball, but in all sports in general, tend to have kind of what I like to call kind of a, a video game perspective on on sports, where they you know they don't they don't whether it's they're consciously or not, they don't view the players playing the game necessarily as as humans. So you mentioned like that forty eight hour stretch. That's not easy. I mean, that wouldn't be easy for anybody to kind of go through and have you know performing one hundred percent at their job if they had to do anything close to what you know you mentioned the the, the the lady balls having to do losing their best player having to travel having to play on the road first road game of the season and that affects you you're not just a, a, a you know in a video game you're you're consistently just your ratings you're rating and that's it and you go out there and and that that player that you know that those bits and bytes they, they perform more or less what you're expecting them to do players aren't you know they're human they don't do that they they could be sick you don't know they could be dealing with uh, any sort of mental issues that you know family issues you have no idea what what's going on in someone's head any given day and that's a very good point uh, to keep in mind that you don't always you know th- you'd have to think about sometimes it, the, the behind the scenes type of things for teams and maybe explaining some of their performances but again a win is a win getting a road victory against a very defensive tenacious team like UCF um, and, and it, it being it, it was there were times where I thought UCF was going to come back, but I, I never really truly felt like the Lady Vols were going to lose that game. There were times where it was frustrating and thinking, okay, this this margin is not where I'd like to see it. But I do think that it speaks a lot to the mentality and kind of the mental toughness of this team. And particularly, you mentioned Alexis Dye, and I want to get to her um, here in a second. But I was really, really encouraged by what I saw from some of the young players on the Lady Vols squad. Um, I, I think particularly with uh, Brooklyn Miles, who played 34 minutes. And I think 30 of those, or, or maybe even more, were at the point guard spot. She didn't score any points, but she ended up with three assists, two rebounds, um, and there. I actually think she only took one shot, but she was a really good distributor. She, of course, has already caught a lot of attention for her defense. So, Corey, I, I, I was, again, I, I was very impressed by the mentality of this team, and particularly with those younger players. Sarah Puckett, I thought, played uh, good when she was in there. Brooklyn Miles played really well when she was in there. Uh, Tess Darby, you know, she gave some good minutes, eight eight points uh, in, in her 27 minutes she had in there. But I, I think when I talked with Maria last week, she said that you know this is the first time in a while that Lady Vols haven't had to start any freshmen. Haven't you? Know, it doesn't feel like you have to go out there and play freshmen um, and have them start like you had the last few years. That's still kind of the case. But I think these freshmen, I am very intrigued to see what how they kind of develop throughout the season because I already am a big fan of Brooklyn Miles and kind of the the energy and her her attitude that she brings on the court. I think that's exactly the type of energy and exactly the type of player, uh, young player that this team needs to kind of help push them um, down the stretch here and when when the you know when that stretch of time comes for the season. Yeah, and you know other players have been singing Brooklyn's praises. Jor- Jordan uh, Walker um, you know, praise that energy from Brooklyn on defense. And, and it said it, it makes the rest of the team want to work harder. You know, it's an infectious energy. And when she starts picking up full court, you know, in the first quarter and starts playing that full court press the whole game, um, 
forcing turnovers and, and you know even a, a 10 second violation that's big that's that's really big for a, a team to feed off of that and the fact that she just does it the whole game it, I, I think is really important for them um, and I think the scoring will come eventually for her you gotta remember she's a freshman and she doesn't have a lot of size so you don't go trying to penetrate his own defense like that um, you know wasn't necessarily going to be her strength against UCF but I think I think the scoring will come for her, um, <clears throat> but for now, you know what she's doing is is very impressive, especially just being able to run point guard. Uh, when you know Jordan Walker got in a little bit of foul trouble and had to sit, she she picked that up and um, didn't really you know have a problem running point guard for them. So I think that's huge for her to be getting these minutes right now, because um, you know if if Ray is back in a month or so, um, that's huge to have that depth on the team. Um, and Sarah Puckett is is just fundamentally very sound. She's got a great shot, and I think when she gets more comfortable, she will be a, an offensive threat for this team. Um, she she can already you know you know that she can shoot. It's just a matter of getting her more comfortable in the offense and getting her more opportunities. You, you mentioned kind of if Ray comes back in a you know a month yeah. or so here, what what in your opinion is kind of you know, it's, it's hard to look ahead. We're, like you said, we're only, only two games in, so it's kind of hard to really do too much for predictions or anything like that. But if if Ray Burrell is out for an extended period, whether that's a month, whether that's, you know, at the beginning of SEC play, uh, Lady Vols have a really, really tough non-conference schedule. They're, they're about to go play USF. Uh, you know, they host them, but they play Texas. They'll play Kansas, Oklahoma State, Virginia Tech. They play Stanford in Knoxville in, in, in about a month here, uh, and so they don't have an easy non-conference. So it's not like you can say, okay, well, we we can, you know, weather the storm and, and get through this non-conference and just get through SEC play maybe, and, and we can get Ray back. Uh, Lady Vols are going to have some really really tough tests and some really tough outings here in the next month. What do you think the kind of the the prognosis of of the team is if Ray is out for those ter- an extended period of time and she's out through the Stanford game? Because I, I think I, I look at the schedule and. Even with Ray there, I mean, some of those games are going to be really tough to win. I, I, I could definitely see the Lady Vols struggling in some of those if the offense doesn't pick up. Again, we'll see. That was, a, like you said, it's been a whirlwind of a first week here, and they have another game really quickly. We're, we're recording this on Sunday night, um, and about a little less than 24 hours, they'll be tipping off against USF, who's a top 25 team. So if Ray is out for an extended period of time, what do you, what, what in your opinion, what does that mean for this team in, in that time that she's out? Um, I think it's it means that a lot of players are gonna have to kind of face a baptism by fire earlier than they thought, mm. and you know I think that's a good thing in the end because you know obviously Kelly wants to win championships and they want to make a run in the NCAA tournament they want to you know make a case to win an SEC tournament at some point. Um, so I think playing without Ray that just means that more players are getting experience right, and I and they might drop a couple of those games that. Maybe they would have won with Ray, but it's so hard to tell right now with her going out so early and only really seeing uh, one full game of of their offense without her on a really weird week. I think you know tomorrow will, will be helpful in kind of seeing how they play without her, having settled in with that reality. But it's really hard to project what this team's going to do because we've only seen them without her for, you know, a game and a half. And um, I don't know. It, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell who's mm-hmm. going to step up because you've got, you know, okay, at least four players 
or three, three of their players um, besides Ray went into double digits against um, in the exhibition game. So you know that he can score. You know, Jordan Walker can score. Alexis Dye can score. Um, obviously, Jordan Horston can score. And, and when they get Samari Key touches in the paint and she's not getting into foul trouble, um, whether that's warranted or not, they, they're a good offensive team. It's just a matter of people hitting their shots and all of those people, you know, realizing they have to step up because Ray's not there to really bail you out when um, you're playing Southern Illinois and no one can hit a shot except for Ray the first, you know, two quarters. Okay, I got to ask you uh, <laughs> before I get to more players because watching that, that UCF game, you mentioned the fouls and stuff. That, that reminded me of this, uh, a question I wanted to ask. I was not a big fan of the officiating in that game. And I, I'm curious your thoughts on, I, you know, you never want to blame officials. Obviously, Lady Vols end up winning. So, you you know, it's a little different of, of complaining about officiating in a win than it is for a loss. But I do, do you feel like the Lady Vols in that specific game got an unfair whistle? Because there were a few times where I recall seeing and thinking that wasn't a travel. I don't know that was a travel. I don't know why they, call, they called a foul there. In fact, I think I may have seen you comment on Twitter about it where, there was a, a time on offense for Layvalls where Key got absolutely hacked on on an attempt going up, didn't call a foul, and then on the next play, on that same possession, I guess for the for UCF after that missed shot, they call a a foul on a much lighter kind of hit on on their player. So I I personally, again, it's I don't like complaining about officials if I can help it, but I I don't think for whatever reason I don't think the Layvalls got a very fair whistle in that game. They ended up winning, so it didn't matter in the long run, but. I, I just want to know your thoughts on that core because I didn't think they got a, a very good whistle in that game and, and still kind of overcame that to get the victory. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, you know, trying to pay attention to the soccer game too mm-hmm. when, uh, for a lot of that game. So it's, it's, it's hard to draw on a lot of specific moments of, uh, like I, I know I missed some of those travel calls. I wasn't, you know, I was trying to pay attention to the goals being scored at soccer, mm-hmm. but that, that tweet I sent out, I just remember, seeing you know tomorrow get the ball and just get smacked like in the arms and it was so blatant and nothing was called and, and they didn't score on that possession and the next time down the court UCF you know goes to hoop and I saw the replay closer up and I don't remember who it was on Tennessee but they barely touched the girl and she goes up makes the layup and then gets a free throw out of it and it just didn't I was just like are you playing are you watching the same game on both sides of the court because it doesn't feel like it um, and I, I feel I, I didn't, you know, see a lot of Tamari's uh, fouls last season, but because, you know, I was on the beat. But I've, from what I've heard, that's kind of a trend with her is because of her size, she often gets, you know, called pretty easily her fouls and doesn't really get that same respect when she's getting fouled. Um, so, you know, I can't <laughs> I can't speculate on, on all the fouls against mm-hmm. her um, Friday, but that. I remember seeing some missed calls against her, which, you know, is unfortunate, but I think that's going to be a trend that continues and she just might have to, you know, weather that storm and learn where she can't draw the line where maybe other players get away with these um, non-calls. She's not going to get away with that. So she has to kind of adjust her own play because um, she has to be on the court for them, especially without Burrell. If, if they don't start getting her more touches, then it's, it's going to be an issue in the long run because there's so few people who can match up with her that if you aren't utilizing that height and that strength from her, it's, it's going to hurt you. 
Yeah, I, I say it's got to be frustrating as a post player, like, like with her, with, with her exceptional size at being 6'6", to want to play aggressively because you know you can and, and because you know you're bigger and stronger than a lot of the uh, other players you're going to go up against in that post, but then being penalized by that, by the officiating. So, yeah, I, I think you're you're spot on there. Um, and, yeah, no kudos to you for having to pay attention to two different games and, and keeping up with both of them. That, that definitely is not easy. I've, had, I've been there before. I remember having to watch uh, basketball and football both and just or do two different sports at the same time and trying to keep up with what's going on in both sports. It's not easy, so uh, kudos to you for that one, uh, Cora. You, you mentioned earlier, um, talking about the UCF game, about Alexis Dye and just some of the shots that she was making in the Southern Illinois game not going down. And it's, you know, sometimes your shot's off. It, to look at the, the men's side of things, uh, you know, the first game of the season, Josiah Jordan-James, his shot just was off for whatever reason. He had a, a good bounce-back performance in Tennessee's second game of the season. But it, it was the obvious for Dye. She finished that game uh, 2 of 12 from the floor, 1 of 2 from the free throw line, uh, 5 points, but did chip in 8 rebounds after opening up the season with a double-double. Even with that that game notwithstanding, I have been very impressed by the early returns on Alexis Dye from the exhibition, from the regular season debut, from everything we've heard from about her uh, from Kelly Harper and the staff and other players too uh, in the offseason and practices and stuff. I think Dye is is going to be potentially, as long as Ray Rell is able to come back and be healthy and you know be the contributor we're expecting, I think Dye is maybe the X factor for this team. I think you could you could argue Jordan Horston is because of you know her playing point and the the importance obviously that point guard always brings on the court. But I think Dye brings a very interesting element to this Lady Vols team that they've not really had the last few years. They, they've had rebounding because they've had very tall players and they've been able to grab those boards, but they've not always been able to cash in on the second chance points like I feel like they they should. I think Die is a really good second chance points kind of cleaner up, as someone who can mop up and, and get those second chance points in ways that the Lady Vols haven't had the last few years. What would have been your thoughts on her? Because I know you said like she her, her shot just wasn't falling against UCF, but I, I have been impressed with her, and I think she is going to be a very, very important player for the Lady Vols this season. Kelly Harper said a lot of good things about Alexis before a season started. And not that I didn't think that those things were true. It's just when you have a player transfer into a team, you just come from Troy to Tennessee, that's a big adjustment. You know, they're going to be playing more competitive teams. So you don't really know how quickly that will manifest on the court. Like, obviously, they've seen that in practice, but you you can never know how quickly that's going to manifest on the court till you see it. And I think she started off hitting the ground running. Um, she's... Like Kelly said, she's very she got great instinct. She can read the ball off rebounds very well. She crashed the board so well. Um, Southern Illinois, she I thought she did a great job. She was just, you know, dominating the boards, getting those second chance points, like you said. And I think that's, you know, kind of gonna be a point of strength for her because you know, they lost Renaya Davis, who was a big rebounder for them last year. So having Alexis kind of fill that role, especially on the offensive glass, that's huge for them because, I don't know, I, I, I haven't seen anybody crash the boards quite like her. She's just very good at reading the ball and getting right back up with that uh, with a shot. And, you know, she's got a, a good jumper. I saw her make them on Wednesday, but Friday just wasn't her night. So I think, you know, once she kind of settles into that offense and, and hits her, you know, stride with, with her shot, you know, she's going to be such a dangerous player for them. Um, you know, there was also a moment Friday, 
Jordan Horson had just a perfect pass to her. She was running baseline. Jordan Horson hit her right under the basket. She hits her reverse layup. And I was like, that's a, that's a great play. You know, that's a play they need more often. And and she's such a dynamic player for them on offense that I think she's going to be, I I would, I don't like to think about where they'd be without her right now, especially without Ray. Mm -hmm. So she's definitely going to be, you know, an X factor for this team. That's a, that, that is a great point. Um, looking ahead here, after after this, I kind of want to ask you a couple. There'll be lay balls related, but, it, but ones that don't appeal or don't pertain to necessarily this team. But looking ahead to USF, with that being a, a you know, this is going to be a top twenty-five matchup. Um, I think <laughs> this is going to be a really really interesting and I think potentially a very fun game because USF has again just like lay balls, they have a really tough schedule too. They after they play lay balls, they'll play on the road against Syracuse and then they host they play Stanford just like Lady Balls do so both these they'll be playing the the similar schedules here or somewhat similar teams uh, they came out and won 63-56 in their first game of the season then they beat Alabama State 72-37 to so it seems like on paper again you know uh, those are teams that they should overmatch on paper though they have put up more points than Lady Balls they have you know still not like setting the world on fire with points but they've been able to have a little bit more offense than than UT has what are your expectations for this game? I don't, I don't know how much you've really had a chance to kind of look at South Florida. I know obviously you've been, again, covering women's athletics in general for UT. So <laughs> you've been doing a, a lot of basketball and soccer and other stuff too. So you, you've had a very full plate uh, here in the last few weeks. So if you haven't had a chance to really look at USF, that's totally fine. But, but what are your expectations heading into this game um, on Friday night, or excuse me, on Monday night? Yeah, I actually caught the um, second half of their game on Thursday, which wasn't super helpful because they had some starter sittings. They were winning by so much at that point. Um, but, you know, I, I did a scouting report that, that went live today, so I did a little bit of uh, research um, heading into the matchup. Um, you know, Sydney Harvey is a really great two-way player for them. She was six of eight from three. And I think, you know, that's going to be a problem for, for Tennessee if they can't lock down that perimeter. I know there was there was moments against Southern Illinois where the perimeter defense, uh, you know, just wasn't as strong as it needed to be. They had Southern Illinois had like four different players shoot from three and score. Um, I think her name was Caitlin Link went three for three. So you know they can't leave Harvey open basically because if she gets an open shot from three, it's going in. Um, and and she's great on defense too. They are pretty guard heavy when it comes to scoring, and Kelly talked about that at uh, media availability earlier today. So, you know, Brooklyn Miles is going to be a factor in that, and, and I think if they can have Brooklyn on uh, on Harvey and lock her up, that's going to be a a significant part of how that game goes tomorrow. Um, so, and I, I didn't see Elena um, play for them on Thursday. I'm not sure if she's injured. I haven't been able to find anything on that, but she's her top scorer from last year. I didn't say her last name because she's from Greece and I don't want to mess it up. I think <laughs> it's Pinky. Um, but yeah, she's a great scorer for them. She was a lot, top scorer last year and she's, I believe, um, a junior or a sophomore now. Um, so I don't know if she's playing and that's also going to play a factor in you know how this game goes because she's, she's a great player for them on offense. Yeah, I'm looking through your um, your write-up in Knox News about it right now, and I, I just caught where you said this is going to be a matchup where keeping Tamari Key on the court and getting her touches will be very important. I think that is very key. We, we haven't seen – we've seen Key get some touches and stuff, but like you mentioned earlier in the podcast here, 
she needs to be able to convert. She only had four field goal attempts um, against UCF. You know, three fouls. She did, she did get six boards, but only four points in that game. I think you're absolutely right. I, I think this is a game that you desperately need key and, and die. You, you know, you need your post players. I know I know die has kind of been more of a she's been turned a little bit more of a hybrid role here at UT, but she definitely still has that. Uh, post mentality even though she's undersized especially in the SEC you can definitely tell she still has that post mentality um, that she had at, at Troy but I think you're right I think getting Tamari Key I, I want to see Tamari Key get going she's she's not had the greatest start to the season um, just from an offensive standpoint because I mean there's just different factors of it but fouls have been a big issue uh, for that but I think you were right up there is right I think getting her going would be great I think getting her going uh, for this game for this game specifically would be great, but I think also just moving forward the season, because if you can have Tamari Key go out there and do some of the things she did last year specifically, where she was getting double-doubles pretty often, and she was able to get uh, you know, between 12 and 18 points several different times last year, and, and able to, to grab a bunch of boards, and of course block a, a billion shots like she did last year, I think if she can get back to that, and, and be you know build off of what we saw last year, then even with Ray Braille out, that's going to be dynamic for for the Lady Vols. And I, I think key to me is she's someone I really, really, really want to see step up and and you know, like you said, kind of control the fouls. And some of that's out of her control because of of depending on what the officials' mentality and stuff is. But I think key is going to be a big, 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 well, key for this game. Uh, so I, I I think you're right about that. And I I, I you know. Again, the veterans, I think, will be also um, big time for this game. But I also really want to ask you, Corey, here, I, I saw on Twitter, and I, I think you wrote about it in, uh, in Knox News as well, Candace Parker was in town over the weekend for homecoming. You know, she was part of the parade. It was fantastic to see her uh, in Knoxville again, you know, coming off of a, a, her second title, playing for the Sky. We talked about that on this podcast before and how incredible her season was this year and, and the fact that she was able to go do that in Chicago and in a year where she had faced – a lot of adversity over the past year, you know, the, the past really, I guess, couple years with being left off the USA team, being voted, I think, most overrated by, I can't remember who, what that was now, but all this stuff that happened where people were just trashing her, and then she comes out and has a very solid season and is a huge reason why Chicago was able to go win the WNBA title. She's back in town, and I think that story itself is fantastic. But you get to catch up with Layla, uh, talking about her mom, Candace, and I think that's a really good interview. Uh, go check out Cora's tweet the video she has on her twitter it's at cora hall is her twitter account but uh, with uh, uh, i think three l is actually on your uh on your on your handle there but Corey, tell us a little bit about that interview and, and what it's like to to talk with layla and hear about you know maybe potentially a future lady of all <laughs> yeah layla um got a taste of rocky top this weekend which you know she said she loved it and candace had said she doesn't have a choice but to love it um but i think she actually did really enjoy it um it's 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 funny because you forget that she's 12 because she's like six feet tall and it obviously <laughs> towers over me and and you know it's actually pretty well spoken for a 12 year old so shout out to uh you know candace for raising her well but it, it was great to get to talk to candace and hear how much tennessee means to her because you can just hear it in her voice every time she's asked about it obviously always brings up Pat Summit. That was such a special bond for her. And she, you know, called her a second mom and, and she, you know, still feels that presence as she parents Layla. Um, and, you know, Layla called her mom, not less a quiet type, but you can watch the video, but she said she, she didn't go out much. And, and she, you know, she lo loves hearing stories of her mom at college. And so, you know, 
would love to hear confirmation of that from Candice, but um, it was it was fun to talk to Layla because you know it's it's great to have a mom in the spotlight like that. But I'm mm-hmm. sure you know how many people talk to Layla, <laughs> so I thought I'd give Layla a little bit of spotlight there, and um, the people loved it on Twitter. So I'm I'm glad I did it because you know I think the world deserves a little bit of Layla in their life. Um, but yeah, great to have both of them back in town. I think it's really important too to note that you know Candace got that honor as homecoming grand marshal. I think it's so important to recognize the successful yeah. women in sports. And, and obviously, it's maybe it's not the biggest of things in the greatest scheme and the grand scheme of things. But like to me, I think that's super meaningful to have a woman and a very successful athlete lead that you know homecoming parade that so many kids are at so many Tennessee fans are at and just to recognize that excellence for what it is. Um, so great weekend overall. Um, awesome to meet them. Hopefully they'll be back soon in the future. Um, but yeah. I could not agree with you more on that. And I, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of Candace Parker. She's, she's one of my favorite athletes of all time. And I know, you know, obviously a lot of that has to go with the fact that she played at Tennessee, but even if she didn't, I, I would like her a lot because she just seems like a, fantastic human being um but she's she is definitely in my top 10 maybe even top five of favorite athletes of if of all time that i've ever been able to watch in my lifetime um candace is a, a fantastic human and what greater ambassador of the sport and ambassador of your university to have than candace parker i mean i think maria cornelius and i talked about that at the end of our our podcast last week talking about uh what better who better to represent the university of tennessee than candace parker uh, because of how she handles herself on the court and how she handles herself off the court and just all the things she's involved with. I mean, being on TNT, being a, just being a voice for women's basketball like she is and just how much influence she has in the sport. I mean, she she's an incredible person. And it's really cool talking. You get to talk with Layla. I, I was It was shocking. I, I read your tweet and was watching the video. And I was like, it does not compute to me that she is 12 years old. Like you said, she is a very well-spoken 12-year-old. Um, and it also helps that she's six foot, so she doesn't look like a 12 year old either, but it's just, it's like you said, she, she very smart, handles herself very well, already seems like she's had the media training that these college athletes have to go through to do interviews and stuff and even gives a better interview than a lot of college athletes do. So uh, I think it's really cool. Go check it out. Like I said, Cora Hall is at Cora Hall with three L's on her Twitter handle. And then there's also, um, did a full story for Knox news as well. Talk about Candace Parker. Um, coming back home for the parade as well. Gore, before we get you out of here, I'd, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on what it's been like now here on The Beat because I know, you're, like you said, you're new to The Beat. You just started working uh, Box News a few months ago. I've been covering University of Tennessee Women's Athletics for them. What has it been like? What, what's your experience been like here in Knoxville and, and covering women's athletics? I'm getting a place where I, I, I know women's athletics, to me, doesn't get the attention it deserves nationally, but I feel like if there's a place... One of the one of the few places where I think it does get significantly more attention than other places that is Knoxville because of the Lady Vols in a large part, but also I, I, there's been a large rallying I've noticed, especially online, around the soccer team the last few years. You know when they made that that Sweet 16 run a, a couple years ago, this year with their incredible season where they've now set a program record with 19 wins and they've just were very very impressive in the SEC tournament it came started with a three nothing win in the first round of the NCAA tournament now they're up in Ann Arbor uh, it seems like volleyball you know that's that's all, that was that was popular I know back when I was uh, in middle and high school 
that got a lot of attention back then when they were pretty good back then too. But I, I'm very curious your, you know, your impression so far of being in Knoxville and, and covering women's athletics here at the University of Tennessee so far. It's funny because I had never actually been to Knoxville before I moved here. Um, my, I'm from Michigan and my, mm-hmm. my cousins live in Atlanta area, so I had driven through Tennessee quite a bit, but I had never actually visited the city of Knoxville. So, you know, kind of a blind move, but I really like it here. It's a great mix of like a little bit of a big city feel, but it's not because um, like I said, my, my family, so my family lives in Atlanta and I don't think I could handle that. But it's it's quite an honor just to be um, in this position because I recognize that there are not a lot of uh, reporting positions that are specifically dedicated to women's sports. So for me, that's something that I'm very passionate about and could really see my whole career revolving around women's sports. So to get a job doing that in a place where it is so celebrated is really kind of an honor for me. And I kind of pinch myself every once in a while to make sure that it's real. And because it feels like a big time beat, you know, Lady Bulls basketball, and it is. So to have, a, you know, an entry into women's hoops reporting like this is, is has been amazing. Um, so I'm just very excited to you know, continue throughout the season to be going to games and uh, covering Lady Vols for everyone. So hopefully people are enjoying and following along. Um, I'll do my best <laughs> and, you know, just going to get better from here. So I'm just really excited. It's been it's been awesome so far. You know, UT Athletics has been great to work with, um, especially, you know, with soccer. It's It's been awesome to see them have the success they have because it's a really special season for them. So I feel like I got here at right the – the perfect time to be able to to cover that and document that. Uh, so it's been awesome. Yeah, you really did. And hopefully you got here just in time, uh, hopefully for the Lady Vols basketball to also send back to, to a lot of prominence too. So hopefully, Corey, you got here at the perfect time uh, for Lady Vols and wins athletics at the University of Tennessee. Uh, that would be fantastic. No, and, and I agree with you. The, the I, I definitely appreciate the way that women's athletics is talked about here and that, that there is a, a big market. Like you said, that there, there is enough market to where you can have a specific beat just for women's athletics. That's not the case for um, a lot of schools. It's not the case for just a lot of towns and cities in general. So I, I'm very glad to hear that your your experience here early on has been good and that it's been a positive one for you. On that note, Cora, uh, before I get you out of here, let everybody know where they can follow you. I've, I've already mentioned your Twitter handle, but you can always, you know, mentioned it again here and uh, you know let everybody know some things you have uh on Knox news or they're about to come down to wire because I, I know you already mentioned the usf preview you had the interview and with there with layla and candace so let everybody know where they can follow you and just some stuff you already have that you maybe want to plug or stuff you have coming down to pipe here in the next uh, week or so that have everybody to keep an eye out for yeah you can uh, follow me on my twitter and instagram are cora hall with three l's because two L's was taken on both those. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I would encourage you to go check out the women's soccer coverage I've done because truly this team is very um, special. They, they've pulled off something that not a lot of people can pull off. And I, if you're not a soccer fan, you know, maybe that doesn't come across just by looking at it. But, you know, re- read about this team. They, they deserve it. And, um I'll have some some stuff coming up for women's basketball, so keep an eye out, and and hopefully we'll we'll do something with the Sentinels podcast. So, um, you know, watch for that too. 
Awesome. Well, Corey, it's been an absolute joy to have you on here. I really appreciate you taking time to uh, join me as a guest on here for the Play Ball Basketball Fever podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever podcast. Subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another episode. 